0: We talked about all the guards. Now let's take a deeper dive into the Pacers' new front court players: Obi Toppin, Jarris Walker, Oscar Shibway. How can they help the Pacers this year and beyond? We'll dive into all of it today on the Locked On Pacers podcast. You are locked on Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Happy Thursday, everybody, and welcome. Another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers. As always, my name is Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and SI. And today, the second of two installments of the How They Can Help series that we're charging through this offseason, looking at all the Pacers' new additions. Earlier, In the offseason, in August to be specific, we did the first half of this looking at the guards. Deeper dives on Ben Shepard, Isaiah Wong, and Bruce Brown. I wrote accompanying articles for all three. Today, we go with the forwards. Obi Toppin, Jarrah Walker, and Oscar I just published the Toppin one last night. So all three of those are up on Pacers SI for you to read. Diving into stats, into film, into all sorts of stuff that I dug up or discovered or feel differently or better or whatever about with these players and again the purpose of these episodes is how these players will be able to help the Pacers not a full deep dive this is not a strengths and weaknesses this is mostly just the positive sides of things looking at stuff that they can do that is maybe not necessarily discussed as much or in Sheboy's case just stuff that he did that I mean all everybody talks about with him is rebounding some of the other aspects of his game in general offseason is kind of dying down not in the way that I just said that though in the fact, the season starts soon. <laughs> so the offseason is dying down and that the season season is coming. So next week, we're back to five days a week. So tomorrow's show, we're looking at predictions for league awards and Pacers awards. And then next week, season preview content starts with player season previews, big storylines to watch, all sorts of stuff. So Lockdown Pacers is ramping up. And if you want one more silly offseason show, go back to yesterday's. We did an all Pacers players draft using jersey numbers. Derek Kramer and I did it. It was awesome. Today, let's start by diving into the game of Obi Toppin, one of the Pacers fans' favorite additions from the summer, the high flying forward. The Pacers got for two second round picks. Great value. Even if you think Obi Toppin's terrible, that's great value. I happen to don't think Obi Toppin is terrible, and it was really fun to dive in to his game. And I will start with a stat that really kind of illustrates why I'm so intrigued by Obi Toppin this year. So, A lot is made of his opportunity, right? He didn't play much with the Knicks last year. Uh, So I wanted to dig into that specifically. So first stat for you, this is not the interesting one, but just a part of his career in the NBA. He was drafted eighth in the 2020 draft. He is 26th in minutes among that draft class. So the Knicks said, we think you're the eighth best player in this draft, or at least the best fit for us, but they're barely going to play him a first-round pick's worth of minutes at least if you sort by that for that draft class. He's two spots ahead of Jordan Wara, who was in the same class and is on the Pacers. Their minutes for their careers are not that much different. Wara was picked 45th, right? So Toppin did not and has not gotten much chance in the pro so far. The Knicks just didn't play him that much. And it it makes sense why it's just jarring to see it that way. So the stat I wanted to dig into is how many players of his productivity played that little? Because it's not that he didn't play much because he isn't good. He's certainly a flawed player, but he is talented. So I dug into it. 49 players in the NBA last year, Obi Toppin being one of them, averaged 17 points and 6.4 rebounds per 36 minutes. Those numbers are just his stat minimums, right? So he barely qualifies for this group, but this is just to put him in a group. 49 players were at 17 points and 6.4 rebounds per 36. Of that group, nine of them, only nine, played less 1,200 minutes on the season, Obi Toppin being one of those players, right? It is very uncommon for players who are productive and moderately efficient like Obi Toppin to not play very much, <laughs> but he was in that group and most of the guys, not most, but like half the guys in that group were just hurt and like didn't play because they were hurt, but they were good players, right? So it's rare for guys to have his production level, but not play very much. So I'm curious what that looks like in a situation where he will play more right obi Toppin. i don't know how much more if it's going to be closer to the high 20s in minutes the low 20s whatever it's going to be more how much more is the question with jarris walker in the mix but that alone is a how he can help the pacers to me he's a good player who's gonna play he's a productive player i should say he certainly has warts we'll talk i'll offhand a little about those in a second but I think that the talent is potentially there, and I'm curious if it holds in bigger opportunity what that will look like for him as a player, what that will look like for him statistically, and what that will mean for the Pacers, because there are some key ways that he can fit quite snugly. Obviously, the transition game has been talked about ad nauseum this summer for good reason. He's awesome in transition, right? Nearly 80th percentile in the whole NBA last year as a transition player. That's something Rick Carlisle really lauded. Right after uh, the trade was not quite announced, but basically announced that something Tyrese Halburn talked about, that's something Obi himself talked about right he said it's no secret everybody knows what I do best in the court run the floor energy guy right and then he said the Pacers are also a young team he'll fit really well in that way no doubt about that he's going to have some oops him and Tyrese Halberd are going to connect in the open floor that's the part everybody knows and the Pacers being second in transition frequency last year certainly means he'll have his chances to do that especially if he starts and is playing next to Tyrese Halberd right that's the stuff everybody knows he's going to help the Pacers by accentuating that positive the other things though were interesting to me I wanted to dive into that three ball of his because the first two years he had in the NBA, it was about 30%. That's not very good. Um, that's like fine enough that if he takes one or two a game, you live with it, but not good enough that you want him to explore it. Last year, 34.4%. I am dying to know if what his percentage is going to be long-term. Is it closer to that second number or those first two numbers? If he can be actually a 34% shooter, you're okay with him taking two, three, four per game. And if he takes that many per game, all of a sudden he gets defended a little differently. And you could see that, last year this is what I tweeted clips out for one thing for every player for these articles and for Obies this is what I did is how his shot kind of allowed him to change his game a little bit he could shot fake out of threes last year and then go to a drive and that's not something he could do very much in past seasons because he didn't have the three nobody was biting on the fake so we had a couple of those including one against the Pacers he got a little floater over buddy healed because he shot fake to three and the defender was you know, worried that he could actually make it. And I'll be curious if that is something that he still has. His spot-ups got to about average in terms of percentile in the NBA last year, 48 and a half percentile. So not quite average, but close enough, right? Getting better as a spot-up guy, that's obviously not his strengths, not anything Obi Toppin is known for. But if he can have that in his bag, that is significant for what he can be because then you can allow him to do a lot more. He doesn't have to be involved every single possession. And guys have to pay attention to him, which is important because he's an awesome cutter. I did know that, but digging into the numbers made it really stand out. 80th percentile as a cutter, huge, 83rd percentile, excuse me, 1.47 points per possession on cuts last year. He's excellent when he sees space, when he takes space, and of course because he can finish so well around the rim. That is going to be such a strength for him this year with the Pacers in the half court, right? That's what I've been thinking a lot about with him. Obviously, he's awesome in transition. Pacers will try to be there a lot, but when they aren't, how can Obi and help? If he can make 34% of his threes again, or preferably better, of course, or if he can really find a way to cut well, then he'll be fine because he's a good rim finisher, and he's working on those counters at threes, and that was another thing, too, the rim finishing, right? 73.6% from 0-3 to three feet last year. Of course, a lot of those are dunks, but dunks are high-percentage shots. So I think if he can cut and finish, that's his thing. He probably can just be somebody who Tyrese Halliburton throws open like Bobby Portis in these Team USA games, right? Somebody who finds the spot, Tyrese Halliburton does the work, he cuts he gets an easy bucket uh the other thing i didn't include in the story that i wanted to include statistically is he never turns it over right he he doesn't pass a lot um or like not tries to throw guy opens a lot so it's it's a little misleading but eight percent turnover rate is super low and being a low mistakes player certainly helps his impact as an offensive player uh some players who don't Throw guys open much or don't dribble a lot. Have higher turnover rates than Toppin, certainly, at 8%. So that's another pro of his game that I thought was interesting. Two things that stood out um, on the negative side, even though this isn't what this is about – He's not great at the pick and roll on either end of the floor or in either role of the pick and roll handling or as a screener. He'll definitely need to improve in that way if he's going to improve his minutes significantly this season just because it's such a common action in the NBA. And his defense obviously needs a lot of work. Uh, Definitely not his bread and butter on defense. Last year might have been one of his worst defensive seasons in the NBA, truly. But there's a lot of good stuff in Obi Toppin's game. Everybody knows that the athleticism and the vertical spacing is eye-popping. And you can't really quantify that into a play type or into a stat, but just being able to have that element in the Pacers starting five wasn't really there last year. I think Skinner, if he starts, I should say, um, is going to be helpful I think it's going to help Miles Turner too his spacing will become more valuable Buddy Heald will pair really well with that I think Andrew Nemhard will pair really well with that just having that threat of uh-oh here goes this guy towards the room we got to be looking at him and slightly forgetting about something else I think it's all going to matter quite a bit I think it'll tie in really well with quite a few Pacers players the question is which of these skills are real and which one of those are not because if the three is back to 30% this year then he just becomes a cutter and finisher, and that kind of player is a little easier to defend. You don't have to defend them out of the perimeter. So it's going to be really interesting to see what that looks like, especially with the Pacers team. That really, really encourages playing quick and really encourages the threes, of course. But I, I walked away a little more encouraged on Obi than I was before I started the project. Just because of the cutting in the half court, I think will help him quite a bit. Uh, and because if he can keep that three where he got it last year, especially because he started to work in counters, that adds to what he can do with the ball. He's not like a crazy driver. In fact, he very rarely did it last year, but that is something he can add to his game and into the Pacers system that I think will really help. You can check out the full story and the ones for the next two guys, Jerris Walker and Oscar Shibway on Pacers SI. And let's go to the rookie, Jerris Walker, dug, dug into the synergy stuff and some film to get to know his game a little bit better, and we've seen it. In a Pacers uniform in summer league, but want to get to more of this stuff in the second segment here today on Jarris Walker. Before we do that, want to talk to you guys about FanDuel. It's Thursday, the NFL is back. Can you believe it? It snuck up on me. Get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can bet five dollars on FanDuel and they will get two hundred dollars in bonus bets. Guaranteed. That's it. Just bet five, get you 100 Woo! Plus, all customers who bet that $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Great way to watch the NFL. Great deal. FanDuel's the way to go. So now's the best time to join. The app is easy to use, and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. Whatever your favorite, is, they've got them. So visit FanDuel.com slash lockdown and kick off the NFL season with an offer you will not want to miss at FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. Thank you, as always, for making Locked On Pacers your first listen today and every single day. For your second listen, I believe the most recent signing in the NBA is Danny Green. So go check out Locked On Sixers to hear more about Danny Green returning to Philly. Uh, Christian Wood signed with the Lakers. Two signings in one day, actually, uh, earlier. Check out Locked On Lakers for more on that one. That one surprised me. Christian Wood seemed like a holding out for Miami to see what their team looks like after a Dame Lillard trade kind of guy. So, signing before the trade, interesting to me. Uh, but, good pickup for the Lakers on a minimum, presumably, deal. Check out Locked On Lakers or Locked On Sixers for the latest in the free agency front as the season is less than a month away. Speaking of the season being less than a month away, Jarris Walker is going to make his Pacers debut in about a month in the first preseason game, unless you count Summer League, in which case he already did. Either way, let's dive into some of the intricacies of Jarris Walker's game because it's kind of not not the opposite of Obi Toppin's, but in terms of their strengths, it certainly is. Jarris Walker, defensive playmaker. This is a term I've heard more in the scouting circles recently, defensive playmaker, that I had to really wrap my brain around, but you saw it at Summer League, right? Getting three blocks, three steals, like... Every game, he can fly around, he can guard multiple positions, he can disrupt plays, he's got length, he's got size. Chad Buchanan called him a linebacker, Pacers GM, and I love that. I thought that was the perfect way to describe him. But something that when I was diving into some stats and some film is that I kept going back to, is something that Brian Nash told me. If you don't know who Brian Nash is, he's the director of basketball at IMG Academy, where Jerris Walker played in high school. He was on this podcast talking about Jerris's game right after the draft. If you want to go back and listen to that, it came out in late June. But he talked a lot about how in Jerris's time at IMG, he played a lot of positions. Right, he had a couple of years as a forward he had a year as like a lead ball handler given the dynamics of the team and he had a year at center and so you can see some of the skills at each of those positions when you kind of dive into the little stuff of jared walker's game on defense he can blow up plays when guarding a ball handler he can walk up to them and steal the ball he can get in a, a ball handler's face on the pick and roll he can cut off a pass he can cut off a drive but he can also do center stuff right he can get down in the post and get in a stance and shut somebody off he can you know strip somebody in a double team. He can do all sorts of stuff, m- moving his feet really well, protecting the rim. Like he's just so versatile on defense that it really stands out that he played all those positions in in high school. And I bring that up to say I always talk about how I was higher on his playmaking than most people in the draft, and that's why I was higher on him than a lot of people in the draft. But really, All that playmaking stuff came from him playing the one. That stuff applies to his defense, too. Like, he didn't play the one and get good at point guard on offense only. He did on defense, too. So, yeah, he's not going to play point guard in the NBA. But the translatable skills from those reps, I think, are valuable. And they really show up when you watch and dive into the stuff that Jairus Walker does really well. And you can see on the stats, too, that that was there. He had a plus 3.6 defensive BPM in college. Uh, That was sixth among all freshmen Last year, I believe of the top 10, eight of those guys were drafted into the NBA. So, uh, of course, if you're a good defensive NCAA player as a freshman, you're probably a good player, Jairus Walker, among that crew. And he is now with the Pacers. It's going to be really interesting to see the yin and yang of him, a defensive force versus top and an offensive force, and how the Pacers handle that and how they set the lineups and how they stylistically play with both those guys in there. Obviously, people want to hear about with Jairus, and what I wanted to set out to find out more of, What's his offensive stuff, right? What more can I learn about what he can do well on that end of the floor? Because, you know, Summer League, he did a lot of stuff statistically, but the shot wasn't there. Of course, he had surgery right after. But, like, what's that going to look like in the NBA? Well, the first thing to me was the passing. I know I just brought this up on the flip side of this, but... You know, he can really make plays with the ball. I don't think he's going to be like a walk it up and set up an offense kind of player, but just a catch secondary creation guy. He's good at that stuff. Like he can read the game, he can make plays, he's he's smart. And so I think those reads are going to be there for him pretty quickly in the NBA and this is both an indictment and a positive the thing i'm about to say so i this is a good way to for me at least to demonstrate his passing right as a pick and roll ball handler last year jairus walker this is according to synergy when he on just pick and rolls where he took a shot for houston last year he was in the 26 percentile among all college players in pick and rolls as a ball handle that's not very good right so on his pick and rolls when he shot it He didn't do very well. If you count all of his pick and rolls that he ran as the ball handler, which includes his passes and plays where he passed out of it and then something else happened, Houston's percentile was 54th. So on on possessions where he playmaked, he did so well that he bumped up his pick and roll efficiency from the 26th percentile to the 54th. He went from... Far below average to better than average, just including his passing, right? It significantly boosted his effectiveness as a shot creator in pick and rolls, right? That is what I'm talking about. I I don't think he'll be a scorer or shooter right away, but the fact that he can do something when handling the ball, whether that's passing or just making a play, is, of course, important for his growth with the Pacers. Another thing that stood out, transition. This is talked a lot about with Bruce Brown and Obi Toppin, obviously, the two NBA additions the Pacers had this offseason. They're really good in transition. So was Jarris. He had really good numbers uh, in the open floor and you know where else he had good numbers. was posting up and rolling after setting screens and spotting up all above average. Right, He's just got a varied game because of his background as a guy who played a lot of positions. So I thought that really stood out is he didn't really have a a high strength of like this play type he's amazing. The only one was transition and of course he's not going to have the ball a ton there but he'll do well to fill lanes and do pacers stuff in transition. He had a lot of stuff that he was above average at, and that I just listed a bunch of them, right? All of these things, above 50th percentile on offense, per synergy, post-ups, screen and roll as the roll man, and spot-ups, all things he can do without the ball with the Pacers. So whatever unit he's with, he can kind of grow his game out from there, right? I remember Andrew Hart saying, he could do a little bit of everything, right? And I think you'll see that with Jairus this year, is every game he'll have a little bit different of a role or a little bit different ways that he can impact the game. This is going to sound familiar because we just talked about it with Obi Toppin, but one of his best percentile things in the half court was cutting great cutter 73.2 percent shooting on shots generated off cuts that's really good if he can be that guy for the pacers flashing to the dunker spot cutting up from there cutting from the wing wherever he's cutting from he reads the game so well he understands the timing I think that's somewhere where he'll be able to get a lot of his shots or at least get into positions where he can make a play or make a pass but his just presence is because he's so large because he reads the game because he's quick it's just so imposing if his shot doesn't fall he's still going to be an impactful player but a lot of his game is going to come down to the shot and the 3 was totally not there in summer league. It was 35% in college, although not on a high volume. That's a big question about Jerris Walker and how he'll be able to help the Pacers. How well can he shoot? And so far, we don't have a ton of good data. We have uh 4 games where he had an injured elbow that required surgery, and that's it. Because I can tell you a lot of stuff he can do well, including on defense and offense, but they're all very closer in kind of things besides the passing. So I'll be curious how he can work his game outward and how much his passing can really have help him, excuse me, be a boosting offensive player in year one versus several years into the NBA. Because we could talk about this and we did and we've beaten this to death. His defense is going to be awesome to me. How can he be impactful on the offensive end? What is he going to do to keep himself on the floor uh, on offense when he has the ball? all sorts of stuff like that. You can read that piece on Pacers SI as well. The clips in there are actually from the pre-draft process. I already had him, so whatever, just throw them up. But uh, more about him blowing up plays defensively. A lot of long possessions. But man, when he locks in, he is just such a threat on that end of the floor. Let's close up with the final newly added front court player for the Pacers, Oscar Shibway, the center on a two-way contract. We're doing all of them. We did Isaiah Wong last time. We're doing Oscar Shibway this time. Spoiler alert, we'll talk about more than just rebounds with Oscar to close out today's show thank you as always for making lockdown Pacers your first listen today and every single day for your second listen lots of fiba stuff that's interesting happened uh let's do the eliminated teams this time so i can make your second listen the still alive teams tomorrow um damas bertans and Latvia out check out lockdown thunder for the latest on tons luca Doncic and slovenia out locked on mavs for that one italy's out uh their only nba player simone fateckio they lost a team usa go check out locked on jazz for more on simone Fantecchio. And Lithuania is out. They were defeated by Serbia. Jonas Valanciunas of the Pelicans. Check out Locked on Pelicans. And Trey Murphy got injured and torn his meniscus. That's another one. Maybe not torn. We'll see what it actually is. Um, Locked on Pels for the latest on that. Lots of shows for your second list. Lots of news going on in the basketball world right now. Let's finish up today's show looking at Oscar Shibwe. Look, I'm not going to pretend to dive in somewhere else first because... The appeal, the big appeal of Oscar Shiba and what he can be in the pros and who he is, is the rebounding. If you want to hear more about that, go check out Locked on Pacers from August 7th, I believe. Oscar Shiba was on the show. He was kind enough to to volunteer his time to chat with me for an interview. And he was awesome. He had a lot of good stuff to say about his rebounding and how he studied it. Like, if the shooter's here, it's probably going to bounce off this way. And, of course, it's an effort thing to him a little bit. But, like, that sort of stuff is where he is so good. He's good at getting in position. He's good at going up and getting it. And it sounds so easy when you say it, but not everybody's good at it. And the Pacers were terrible at it last year, but he, you know, he used to be a soccer goalie. Uh, so he's just, he said to me, every time the ball touches my hands, I've got to come down with it, right? He knows when the ball's up, he's got to get it. And that's his thing. And I think that is valuable if that's your thing. Uh, there is a cap on the value of rebounding, especially if you don't have a lot of other skills, but he could certainly pull him down. In fact, in my clips, I went the easy route for this one. All of his offensive rebounds from Summer League. And you can see him kind of battle or reading the ball in the air and moving to the right spot. That's the stuff he's good at. And that's going to translate to not just his game, right? I talked about this a little bit, but I have the quote uh, in the article here. You know, it was really funny to, to hear Isaiah Jackson talk about Oscar Sheba. They overlapped for like the tiniest amount of time. Sheba transferred into Kentucky from West Virginia as Isaiah Jackson was going to the NBA. So they had a little overlap in Lexington between... Uh, the end of that season and before Jackson really started with the Pacers, but Jackson's gone against him before, and they went against each other in summer league practices. And Ijax said of Shebe, um, his energy is something that I've seen even when I was at Kentucky. He used to play at practice with us. His motor is unbelievable. Just playing against him, learning how to box out bigger, stronger guys. His offensive game is going to keep blooming the more he plays. Right, that rebounding battles helps Ijax Sh- get better at rebounding miles turner is going to get better at rebounding going against oscar sheway in practice right so the rebounding is obviously fantastic uh, the numbers are crazy he was fourth in all of summer league in rebounds per 36 minutes at 18.7 he only played like 12 minutes a game so he was a beast on the glass obviously per minute stats doesn't matter how many minutes you played but you know just to people don't realize that because of how little he played but he was still a beast on the glass when he was out there obviously winning Naismith college player of the year he's productive But I think that's, of course, will help the the Pacers the most. He can scoop up those misses. He's going to have some crazy G-League stat lines. And I'm looking forward to seeing how that itself translates to the NBA. But, of course, this is what everybody wants to know. What else, right? What else is Oscar Sheewe going to be able to do when he's in the pros? His finishing is actually pretty impressive, right? According to Synergy, 60% on all layups, 1.19 points per possession on shots around the basket and over one dunk per game, right? He's a good finisher when he gets in close. And that's important, not because he's going to be like posting up or flashing under the rim all the time, but because if he gets an offensive rebound, he's typically around the basket. Now, he could catch sometimes around the rim and make plays. He did every so often at Summer League, not very often, but being a good finisher given his best skill on the glass is important. That's they pair well together and he's really good at that. Um, and he, he was good enough on post-ups. Ironically 0.96 point per possessions on post-ups. It's not great, but that's a far well above average in the NCAA. That's not something he'll ever be asked to do with the Pacers. <laughs> um, maybe like once in his whole career, but The fact that he can go to it is something. He needs to have some sort of footwork or something he can do if he gets the ball. Tust him with five seconds on the shot clock. Posting someone up when you're strong and can go up and get the rebound is important. And that around the basket success kind of translated to the pick and roll, right? He's a little slower footed, but he did well in the pick and roll, especially around the basket. 63.8% is what he shot as the rollman in pick and roll. That's pretty good. He's a bruising screener. Um, so even though he's slower he still can create space and he rolls hard thinking if I get the ball I can make a play so Uh, That is where I think his game kind of expands out from the rebounding is he can be really good right around the basket and make good finishes when he gets the ball from common actions or from his bread and butter. He also, like every Pacers acquisition, was good in transition. He shot 73.1% in transition last year, and he just runs hard, right? The motor he does shows up in everything. Those pick and roll rolls to the basket, those offensive rebounds, running in transition, battling in the post-setting screens, like there's just motor everywhere. I think that's going to be where he's going to help the Pacers the most is all this stuff that he can do because of his motor is stuff that your team needs even though it's not always glamorous and is going to be like yep I got this I can do that so I think that's going to be useful uh, in the G League and even with the Pacers Uh, In his few 10 stints, I think he'll get in the pro level. So he definitely needs to work on the shot, right? 35 for 89 in college on every shot outside the paint as a senior, right? That's 39.3%. That's got to be better. He's got to be a little faster as a switch defender. He said that uh, on this podcast. That's something he's working on, right? Everybody wants to be a better shooter and a better defender. It's the endless balance of NBA players trying to get better. Shibway, though, is like the poster child for that because he's so good, close to the basket and as a rebounder. And really needs to grow his game out. But how's he going to help? By being so good and such a force around the basket. He's only 6'9", 6'10", but he plays much bigger than that because he plays with such force, because he plays with a motor, and because he's going to try to get that dang ball, dang it. (laughs) No matter where it's coming off the rim, Oscar Shiway's going to try to get it. You can read more about him, or you can listen to him on this very podcast if you'd like, or read more about his story and his journey in Forbes on my profile page there as well. So that's the three front court guys, how they can help the Pacers. Again, a couple weeks back, we did this for Ben Shepard, Bruce Brown, and Isaiah Wong. If you want to get to know their games a little more, how they'll be intertwined with what the Pacers are doing, of course, Bruce Brown and Ben Shepard could actually play. Same way, Obi Toppin and Jairus Walker will actually play. The two-way guys will be more with the Mad Ants, who schedules now, by the way, if you're interested in seeing that. So that is everything on the new guys that I kind of dug up. Let me know by tweeting at me or Xing or whatever it's called, what you think these guys will be doing to help the Pacers either this year or beyond or if on YouTube. You can comment that down below as well. Tomorrow, some Aussie fun coming. Paceroos, Times, Locked on Pacers. I just said times. That was dorky. Uh, Paceroos and Locked on Pacers crossover. Adam Webster's joining us. We're talking all about Pacers awards. Who could win stuff? Who could be in the mix for stuff? And why not? Some league predictions for award winners in the next week. Back to five days a week. Getting ready for for the season looking forward to it and i hope you guys are too thank you so much for listening today hope you enjoyed today's show and learned something about the newest pacers till then everybody have a fantastic day